we open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God and our privilege to search it out with the help of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence amongst us today. Lord, I ask that chains would be broken, eyes would be open, and lives would be transformed by your glorious Holy Spirit in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, on Friday, the Lord asked me as I was thinking about what to, to share today. And the Lord said to me to encourage you. So who feels like they could do with some encouragement? Anyone? <laughs> well, my hand is up. So, um, so I'm talking today about he has made me glad. And I want you to turn to Psalm 92. Did you bring your Bibles? You know, we bought new Bibles for every member of the youth group and every child in Kids Club and Children's Church. So they're going to have their names written in and they have their own Bible while they come to um, our programs. And um, on Friday night, they all had a Bible and they were all opening them and finding the references. It was super cool. So bring your Bibles to church um, and uh, we're going to get into that. All right, Psalm 92. Who's there? Say, I'm there. Yes? All right. David the psalmist is talking to the Lord and he says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Now, I like that. I have to admit to you, some mornings I'm not declaring anything. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, the alarm just went off. Help me. And one eye says to the other, do you get enough sleep? No. How about you? Well, there's an interesting way to start the day. David says he declares the loving kindness of God in the morning and his faithfulness every night. We have a little habit at home when I tuck the kids in at night, we pick something that we can thank God for from the day. It can be anything. Even if we've had a rough day, we can always find something that we can praise God for. Verse 3 says, On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. Wow. The triumph that we're looking for in our life comes from the work of his hands. And we're going to unpack this more today. So I want to know, um, and it can just be a simple show of hands, put it down again. How many can relate to these words? So I'm going to list some words. If you can relate to it, put your hand up and then put it down. All right, the first word is annoyed. Can anyone relate to that word? Oh, there's a few. my daughter's got a hand up very excitedly down there. I hope she's not referring to me. All right, what about frustrated? Can anyone relate to that word? Ah, uh, yes. Concerned. Is there something you're concerned about? Okay. What about anxious? 
I never used to want to admit that, but oh boy, I have my times. How about impatient? Nobody put your hand up. We're in church. <laughs> Holy people here. <laughs> impatient. <sighs> Just saying that word, I get convicted. Um, worried. Can anyone relate to that word? Yeah. How about angry? No one has anger problems. <laughs> My daughter's got a hand up again. Uh, stressed. Anybody here deal with stress? What about disappointed? We had a time at youth. It was super funny. We were talking about what's your family's traditions around Christmas time. And one youth member, there's a laugh here. We'll never forget this night, will we? And uh, the word used to describe Christmas for one of our youth members was disappointed. He said he wakes up and he gets his present and he opens it. Disappointed. And then they go to have their meal and he looks at what's served. Disappointed. The poor fella, his Christmas was wrapped up in that word. We never forgot it. All right, what about this word, disheartened? Anyone relate to that? Discouraged. How about irritated? Do things irritate you? Notice I said things, not people. What about exasperated? Mm. Does anyone else ever feel that word in traffic? No. You're all, you're all very holy here. Uh, what about frazzled? Nervous. Stretched. Does anyone feel stretched? Tense, strained, troubled. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6 because the Lord wants to help us today with each and every one of these words. So let's go to Luke chapter 6. Jesus is, is speaking and he's sharing a message with the people and he's got some really interesting things to say to them. He's pronouncing a blessing on people, but not just any people. It's people who deal with some of these words that I've just used. So let's look at Luke chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 20. Then he, Jesus, lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you. Has anyone in this room ever had anyone hate them? It's a really unpleasant feeling to be hated by someone, isn't it? Particularly if it's no fault of your own. Blessed are you when they exclude you. Have you ever been excluded in our inclusive society? <laughs> I think we can all relate to these words. And blessed are you when they revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. I'm going to pause there. I'm going to go to Habakkuk chapter 3. How many of you spend a lot of time in Habakkuk? <laughs> it's towards the end of the Old Testament. One of the minor prophets. 
And uh, it's been a pretty dire, it's only three chapters, but they're pretty daunting woe to this. Look at this, judgment's coming. Not the most exciting words. But Habakkuk finishes the book like this. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. Wow. Phenomenal. We may be feeling excluded, downhearted, hated, frazzled, angry, annoyed, frustrated, any of those things. Maybe we don't have what we need. Maybe we can't see how things are going to turn around. Maybe it looks like everything we're doing is just not working out the way we need it to work out. But verse 18 says, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, Three weeks ago, at Kids Club, I was feeling the first word that I said, annoyed. Not that you would probably know it externally, but I just was out of sorts. And then the kids arrived and some of them were really pushing my buttons. And and I was inside, I was feeling really annoyed. I'm like, you little brat. Not that I'd say that, but I'm like, oh, just behave like what is your problem and it was a really rough day that day at kids club and so I had all this annoyance inside I was frustrated frazzled but the very next week um, on the Friday leading up to kids club uh, I was downtown picking up the supplies and things I needed And I got a message on my phone from someone that I work for, helping clean her house and stuff. And um, and I've been wanting to tell her about Jesus. And I've just been dropping a seed here and there. But all of a sudden, God threw open the doors for me um, the last time I, I worked with her. And I was able to just freely and so naturally share about my wonderful Savior. And then she sent me this message saying, I'm still just so touched by our time together yesterday. And I realized that God had salvation on his mind. And I just, I just suddenly got full of joy. And I went, God's going to save her. God's going to save her. And I was so excited. And then I just, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. But the joy it's talking about here is actually one of the Hebrew words for praise. There are many different, over eight, nine, ten different Hebrew words for praise. This particular one is gil, or some people pronounce it gul, 
where it says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. That word is ghoul, which means to joy, rejoice, be glad, be joyful. But it contains the suggestion of dancing for joy or leaping for joy, since the verb originally meant to spin around with intense motion. So when's the last time you ghouled in the Lord? You joyed in the Lord with intense amount of emotion that you were spinning around with joy. Now, have you ever seen little kids do this? When they get excited? Do they just go, ooh? No way! What do your kids do when they're excited? They just do that? They don't jump? They don't spin? (laughs) Well... He's talking about spinning around with a violent emotion of joy. It's like, that's what he's saying here. Now remember, Habakkuk had just said the fig tree wasn't blossoming. There wasn't any fruit on the vines. The olive tree had failed. The fields hadn't yielded any food. There are no flocks and the herds aren't in the stalls. Hallelujah. I'm going to do this. Like Habakkuk. Not only have you got a weird name, you are a weird man. How come people don't call their kids Habakkuk? (laughs) Don't know. Uh, He's rejoicing in the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what, this same kind of joy filled my heart. I was so full of joy that it was like I suddenly saw the world through completely different glasses The grass was super green, the sky was so blue, and I got to kids' club and those same kids were there that had annoyed me so much the week before, and I'm like, come to Needy, I just want to hug you, darling. Oh, just two little cheeks. Oh, my goodness. I was so full of joy. It wouldn't have mattered what they'd done. I was just like, you dear little pet. Aren't you just a darling? I'm like, what is going on? God filled me with a capacity to love that was beyond human. And it was just joy. His joy had given me strength, had reminded me of our great Savior and how much he loved me and loved them and the future and the plans that he has for us. There's something incredibly powerful about the joy of the Lord. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. Now I want to go back to Luke chapter 6. And I want to read because I I deliberately stopped before the final part of that verse, uh, of that segment. So Luke 6 He's just said, blessed are you if you're weeping or you're hungry or you're poor or you're hated or excluded or reviled or cast out for his name's sake. And then verse 3 says this, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Jesus is as weird as Habakkuk. For indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Leap for joy. I'm telling you, God is saying that joy is your way to victory. Normally, 
If you're leaping for joy, it's because something's gone really right for you. Isn't this saying to our enemy, no matter what you throw at me, I know the one who can turn all things around for my good. And I can still leap for joy even in the midst of my darkest day because I have a God worth celebrating. I have a God worth cheering about. I have a God so good we can't even comprehend the level of his goodness. Let's turn to Psalm 55. This is... It says, a contemplation of David. And the title here is Trust in God Concerning the Treachery of Friends. This is about betrayal and how David felt, not just because he had enemies, but because his enemies were those who had once called themselves his friends. Anyone ever had a friend turn on them, let them down, betray them, maybe a family member? It hurts. David is explaining how he feels in verse 12. He says, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance, We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. He's crushed because someone he considered a friend on the same page as him had turned against him. Verse 16 is David's response. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. What an amazing thing to be able to say. He's redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from old. I want to go down to verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved or shaken. That word sustain means he will maintain, he will nourish, provide food, support, defend, Supply the means necessary for living. We are to cast our burden on the Lord and he shall sustain us. He's going to support us, bear the load, carry us. What a heavy burden that David was feeling under in this moment. His friend had turned on him, become his enemy. And he's he's feeling... All of those things, disappointed, confused, rejected, maybe even disbelief. But he gets this moment where he just cast the whole thing, the burden on the Lord. It's not mine anymore. 
Verse 16, as for me, I will call upon the Lord and the Lord shall save me. We want to come under the Lord's covering. We want to be under his mighty hand because there is no other place to be. And remember, and we're going to look at this later, but Psalm 1611 says that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So the number one thing we need when we're going through anything, even if our patience is being stretched, we need the presence of God. We need to enter in and allow his presence to touch and bring joy into our lives. All right, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we've got some, some good stuff to unpack. So let's have a look at this, Ephesians 5. And we're going to look at verse uh, verses 15 through to 21, because I want to put this in context for you. Okay. <clears throat> This is what he says. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And the days are evil. There is so much evil around us that some days it's hard not to feel despair. The atrocities and the depth of evil that go on around us. But here is our instructions. Therefore, because the days are evil, do not be unwise, but understand what the word of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Just like he filled me that Friday and I was so full of joy, you would think I'd had something to drink. But all I drunk in was the Lord's presence and his goodness. And I was filled with the Spirit. Verse 19 teaches us to do something very important. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wow. Giving thanks. I just, I just want to tell you what that means. Do you know that's the same word that Jesus used when he took the loaves and the fish and he gave thanks for it? Same word. Let me... um. Let me expound on that a little bit more, what the Hebrew, uh, the Greek meaning there of giving thanks is. It is from two words, it means well and to give freely. So it means to be grateful, to express gratitude, to be thankful. So giving thanks always for all things means that in all things, you're expressing gratitude, you're thankful and you're grateful. What can you be grateful for even in a rough time? The cross. We can always be grateful for what Jesus has done. Always be thankful for what he has done. <laughs> Giving thanks always for all things. 
to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. You know, submitting is a big part of rejoicing because you have to actually let go. You have to let go of your will and embrace his, submit to his, the heavenly fathers. Giving thanks. All right. So I, I have been um, uh, coming across this a lot, and I want to just talk about self-reliance for a moment because as we're going to keep unpacking all these things, what we're going to see is that self-reliance is our worst enemy because if you're relying on yourself, um, you either enter into defeat because you can't do it or you enter into pride thinking you can because God wants us to be reliant completely on him, filled with his spirit. So I have some things that I want to bring out now. So let me just go in here. I've got something stashed away for such a time as this. All right. I got me a basket of eggs here. I'm going to put it up here. All right. Now, if you can see that. All right. Who's ever played the game when they were a kid called Rob the Nest? Anyone? No? <laughs> My daughter. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, let me explain the game. In Rob the Nest, you normally have three teams, and you've all got your own nest, which could be anything from a laundry basket to a hula hoop anything that can contain something. And you put either little bean bags or little balls or whatever. What did you say? Shoes. Shoes. There you go. Um, whatever you can find goes in each nest. And then in the middle is normally another pile of the same thing. And the game goes that when you say go, you have to go and rob the nest of someone else. The problem is, well, you're off robbing their nest, someone's coming and robbing yours, right? And so it's just this big circle going around until the time runs out and whoever has the most eggs in their nest or balls or whatever it is, is the winner. Well, how many of you remember John 10.10? 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come, Jesus said, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the thief comes to steal. Fancy a thief stealing something. Sounds ironic, hey? Sorry, I need my other prop. All right. So the thief comes to steal. How many know snakes like eggs? Yeah. All right, so when we have chicken pens, we usually have them with wire small enough that they can't get through. Otherwise, they want to steal the eggs. Well, here's the point. Satan is after your joy. Let's say these eggs represent our joy, right? Gifts from the Lord, the fruit that he's put in our life. He wants to steal our joy. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's in Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And how do you overcome someone? You have to make them weak. 
So you, you are stronger. So he wants to subtly come in and steal your joy. How can he steal our joy? Well, I had a perfect example. I'm just going to sit that there for a minute. Last Friday, um, I had a text message come through and uh, it was a bit confusing, a bit not exactly edifying. It wasn't great. And I just kept thinking about it and then I was just feeling more and more down. And um, before that text message had come through, I had had the most glorious time singing that old song, Majesty, worship his majesty. And I'd be like, Jesus. Well, then I got this message and, oh, my joy, it was like it just got drained away. It was like that just got completely stolen. And, uh, and <laughs> it was only later that day right before Kids Club started. Oh, actually, no, later that day before that, um, the Lord reminded me that the reason my joy got stolen was because I was completely and utterly focused on myself, how that message made me feel, if I was doing the right thing, if I was doing enough, if I was good enough, if I was looking after everyone well enough, if I was doing all these things, if I was pleasing everybody. It was always focused on me. And he said, that whole time that you were just stewing and worrying over that, did you pray for anybody? I went, no. And I had a few people I really wanted to pray for today. He's like, did you praise me? I'm like, no, I was too busy doing this. Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I went, give it back. I took it back. Hey, if he can steal my joy, I can rob his nest and steal it back. So I did. And I felt so much better. I realized I need to be wise. This is what we just read. Don't be unwise. Be wise. Next time that sneaky devil tries to steal my joy, I'm going to try and get it back a whole lot quicker rather than waste nearly an entire day stewing over something that could have easily been given to God. Remember, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Ah, so much better. But you see, Satan can be sneaky. And he wants us to focus on ourselves. It is the number one joy drainer if you focus on yourself. It will drain your joy. And it is his oldest strategy. Hey, let's turn to Psalm 21. I'm taking you through lots of passages today, so um, bear with me. But Psalm 21, and this is great. I'm going to read it, and then I want to ask for some feedback, uh, if there's something that you've noticed as we go through. So I'm going to read Psalm 21, 1 to 7. Okay, the king, so this is David referring to himself, but so it's a little K, it's not talking about the king, Jesus. So the king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation how greatly he shall rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. 
For you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. He asked life from you and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation. Honour and majesty you have placed upon him. For you have made him most blessed forever and have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved or shaken. Wow. So what stood out to you? Just give me some feedback. What, what jumped out at you from those verses? Anyone? Joy. What was this one? Verse 1. Joy in your strength. Yeah. So how many times is David referring to himself and his ability? I didn't find one instance. There was no reference of his ability and yet he is the king. And the fact that he chose to identify himself in this psalm to God as the king, but what is he showing? This king is under the king. I'm under submission to the king. And so little king is saying, I have joy in your strength, O God. That's so different from other kings we read about in um, the history of the Israelites that would, and how many times even today, like how, like China boasts in the number of their soldiers and, and other countries boast in the amount of their weapons and their strength as a people, as a nation. But no, David was boasting in God's strength. So much so that he's going, oh, I have so much joy in your strength. Oh, Lord, and in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. He didn't say, well, I just believed enough and I made it happen. I just, I just was positive and it all came to me. Or I did this. No, you have given him his heart's desire. Even that was put before God. And God met it. You meet him with blessings of goodness. How amazing. You crown, you put a pure gold crown on his head. Given him eternal life, verse 4. His glory is great in your salvation. David, as a glorious king of Israel, was not looking at his glory. He was saying, what I glory in is your salvation. Wow, I don't know of any other king on earth or queen that would have this mentality. This is amazing, and yet this is what God wants for us. Verse 6, for you have made him, he's referring to himself, most blessed forever and have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. So David was used to having people as king come into his presence and pay homage and, and seek an audience with him. But David's like, oh, 
my favourite moment of the day is when I can go into another king's presence and I just get so full of joy. David, why are you always smiling so much? Oh, I just went in and had some time with the king. His presence just fixes everything. I don't know how because it's still there, but eh, don't care. He's got it. I love that. We're going to finish in Philippians chapter 4. Many of you will be familiar with this passage. But how good to look over it one more time. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. And then we're going to read verse 10 to 13. But let's start with verses 4 to 8. So it says this. Rejoice! In the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So if your joy is running a bit low, oh, slippery eggs. Good thing it's fake. (laughs) It's all right. My dad had them with fake eggs. I know me, you see. So I thought I ain't dealing with the real ones. All right. So fullness of joy in the Lord's presence. But if for some reason our nest has been robbed and circumstances have made it hard for us and we don't feel like we're very full of joy, I just realised that you guys probably couldn't see over that side. Sorry. Okay, maybe we're feeling some of those words I started with. Worried, frustrated, anxious, impatient, disappointed, nervous, discouraged, irritated, stretched. And, and, and one by one, our joy supply has just been robbed, stolen from us. Well, the way to get it back, it tells us right here, is to rejoice. How? In the Lord. Well, I don't know about much right now, God. I know you are good all the time. You're good all the time. You are good all the time. Hey, my God is good all the time, even in this time. And Paul makes an emphasis to say it again. Again, I will say, rejoice. I just got some more joy back. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Do you know what else that word means? The Lord is near. When we rejoice, even when we don't feel like it, we're actually drawing near to him and he's drawing near to us. Oh, and then his presence begins to come. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, can I say, some of my most anxious moments... I don't know if I actually do want to tell you this. (laughs) It's a bit embarrassing. I'm going to tell you because chances are someone has had the same issue. But some of my most anxious moments have actually been in prayer. Because I am so concerned about the problem I'm praying about that I'm very worked up how to present it to God because I need God to fix my problem. (sighs) 
So sometimes I go in and I'm like, God, I just don't know what it is. What do we just? And he's like, hey, prayer with thanksgiving. <sighs> so if I come in and, and I have this big problem and I come in with thanksgiving, my prayer can go, <sighs> thank you for being my God. Thank you for being the king. Thank you I don't have to bear this burden. Thank you that I, I don't even have to have enough faith right now because my faith comes from you. In fact, everything comes from you. I can just give you my burden. Yeah. Oh, that feels better. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You know what he told me the other day? I was telling him about something that was worrying me. And he said, you know you have not because you ask not. <laughs> Sometimes we forget it's okay to ask God for stuff. And he knows the timing and the place and everything. But it's not bad to ask. Let your request be made known to God and... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like that. and I'm going to show you something in a minute. But let's look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, which means praiseworthy. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's what you need to do. Now, uh, have you got the scripture there open? Can you get the amplified version up for me, please? I just want to look at this verse in the Amplified because it just makes it a bit, it unpacks it a bit better for us. Thank you. Okay. Finally, believers. Don't you love that? We are believers. It didn't say finally, doubters. Whatever is true. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, Whatever is right and confirmed by God's word. I went, ooh, I like that one. Because you know what society we live in? Well, my right's different from your right. And you have no right to tell me what's right for me. Because my right is different to your right. And, and I can believe whatever I want to believe is right. But no, God says here, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word as being right. Hang on. Is that what God says? Because if it is, then it's right. Whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Wow. Then it goes on, the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life, and the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. 
If I back up to the verse before, verse 7, and the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is yours. That peace stands guard over your hearts and minds. <laughs> that peace stands guard. It just chokes out the enemy's voice. Watch out. I didn't hear you. Okay? It's our guard. No, no, no. You're not getting my eggs. Now, what do you do? This is what it says. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Just joy. You're not taking the goodness of God from my heart. You're not stealing my fruit of the Spirit. It's mine so that I can do what God's called me to do. So remember our, our first Psalm, Psalm 92, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your works and it's through you I will triumph. What I do with this file, I just feel like throwing it. Hey, yeah. woo! Oh, whoopsie! Sorry about that. Uh, I'm so sorry. We, we will fix that. We will fix that. I don't know if you can see online. It landed on the base. Oh, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I know what I'll do. Remember what it said? Joy was. To leap for joy? Woo! I got a soft landing here. It's awesome. What was that? Can't hear you squeak. <laughs> Too busy praising God. Oh, I'm going to rejoice. Rejoy. Rejoy. Come on, Joy. Crank it up. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because he has made me glad. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? And if I could get the musos up here, because I want to finish with that song about Jesus over everything. Pretty appropriate, I think. Sorry, do you need your phone? I, I kept it. And in the meantime, I want to give a chance. Let me um, just put this <laughs> Um. I want to give an opportunity, if you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, he is the king. And this is your chance to decide, do you want Jesus to be your king? Do you want him to be your saviour? It's not enough that you might know about him. He wants you to know him, have a relationship with him. And that's what he makes available. It's as simple as ABC, A, admit that you're a sinner and you need a saviour, a pure and perfect saviour who can wash you clean, who can literally clean away every sin, every shame, every guilt. Admit you're a sinner. Be as simple as believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And see as confess with your mouth 
God raised him from the dead. Confess, commit your life to him. It's that simple. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're in this place or if you're watching online and you would like to receive Jesus, well, I want to give you this opportunity because I'm so grateful someone gave me the opportunity to connect with a God who loves me, who's there for me, who wants to be my strength. So today I want to give you the same opportunity. If that's you, say, Nita, that's me. I want a saviour. I want Jesus as my saviour. Why don't you just raise your hand if you're watching online. Feel free to do this at home. Anita, that's me. I'm going to pray with you today. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. Why don't you just say this? Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I need Jesus to save me. Wash me of my sins. Forgive me. Make me your child. I believe that Jesus is Lord. That he died and rose again. And I commit my life to you. That I can follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.